Hey there, Light Pollution News listeners. It's Bill, and I have a couple of quick things I want to pass along to you before the show begins. First, we've added a new texting feature to the show. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments that you'd like to make and be interested in having read on a future show, please check out the new Text Us button on the episode page from whatever podcast player that you are using. Second, we're going to try something new for our June recording. Now, I'm not 100% sure on how this will work yet, but I will be offering current paid subscribers a chance to watch a live feed, perhaps add commentary and questions during the show. I will be emailing our paid subscribers this month with the invites. If you are a paid subscriber, thank you, and definitely be on the lookout. I will say one caveat. I'm honestly not sure how this will work yet, so please be patient with me as I navigate through the uh, this new step forward for us here at Light Pollution News. All right, on to the show. Hi there, it's Bill McGinney with Light Pollution News. And before I begin this little bonus episode, I wanted to just preface why I did the episode. Why it's so bright at night. It's a question, it's an idea. It's a place that we can converse and understand the motivations and what drives people to install lighting, to put in lighting, to uh, to utilize different lights, and hopefully open up the book to everyone being able to share ideas, exchange ideas, and we can all walk in one path to making more responsible, more aimed, more directed, more purposeful lighting than we see today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or whatnot, I would love to hear your comments. You can strip, simply email those over to me bill at lightpollutionnews.com. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to Why So Bright at Night. This is a periodic show where I sit down and chat with folks who might not be as familiar with the concepts embodying and protecting nighttime environments. And my hope is to facilitate conversation to help us all walk together to a common goal, that being to mitigate negative consequences of human impacts on nighttime ecosystems and environments. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Jennifer Hooken. Like, did I get that right? <laughs> Am I close? That's okay. You're close. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jennifer, I first came across your name in a petition to Steven, Stevenage, England, to have new street lights installed in a paved park trail to better facilitate ease of evening and morning commuting. Yeah, it's about it's about that's about right. So it's to Stevenage Borough Council. That's that's correct. Um, but it's not necessarily street lights. I haven't specifically asked for street lights. I asked for lighting on the main paths in Fairlands Valley Park, which is a main park in in Stevenage, is right in the centre of it. We'll get into I guess lighting in a second. But right now, I want to kind of understand so listeners can understand what Stevenage, the town of Stevenage, where it is. Uh, you know what the whole area looks like and then what the, what the park is used for and what the park looks like. Um, so we do have something in common. I, I know you're, you're a bike commuter, right? Yes. I cycle. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I personally, I love biking. I, I bike commute as well. And uh, I, I, I love it. There's nothing better than being on a bike and being able to, to, you know, go to where you want to go and stop off where you want to go. And, and you feel great. You just feel great when you're doing it. Uh, why don't you, Explain, tell me a little bit about Stevenage. Like, who yeah. lives there? How many people live there? Uh, do you guys have like a primary industry or uh, do most people commute? Do they commute down to London or it was Stevenage, England? 
Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so Stevenage, I, I, of course, I would say is the best town in England. Of course, I would say that. Um, so I actually used to live in London and I moved to Stevenage only a year ago. So it's actually very close to London, uh, just north of it. So um, we are in the county of Hertfordshire, which is just north of London. As I said, we have eight trains an hour that go to London. You can get to King's Cross. That's the Harry Potter station for people who don't know London um, in just 19 minutes when you use the fast train but generally you can get there in under 30 minutes if you use like a slower you know slower train as well so a lot of people yeah of course they you know they they work in London or they work in Cambridge like kind of because we're in between but actually most people uh, work in Stevenage themselves. Um, I actually looked up, I looked up the figures and, and the Stevenage free generation scheme that we have going on actually estimates that 50,000 people, um, local people actually are employed in Stevenage. Um, and our biggest employer is G- JSK. So that's a pharmaceutical um, company. And you think, okay, 50,000, that doesn't sound like a lot, but actually our town is 89,500 people. So that actually wow. is you know, a lot <laughs> large proportion of local people are actually employed um, in in town. So Stevenage was a, a, the first new town in England. And I'm not sure, if, um, Bill, whether you're familiar with the new town. Yeah, why don't you program. explain that concept? Yeah, so that is actually, that was a program from the UK government to ease housing pressures after the Second World War. So they literally built new town <laughs> like so Stevenage before it was Stevenage it was you know a collection of you know villages on 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 the countryside and they literally created a town from where there was no town before so um plans were drawn up um in I think well I know the first people moved in in 1951 and that was five years after um after the pl- plans were uh, approved so that was 1946 then that plans were approved um so it's, it's quite a special place I would say um, but it also means that people have thought very long and hard about how to design the town as well um and it means that you know when we come to cycling for example we have segregated cycling lanes which were especially in the early time in the early days used a lot by workers to get to and from work i've been to the local museum i've seen such cool pictures of like people riding their bikes on the segregated lanes to go um you know to go to work and that was until you know cars became more popular um so we had a lot of industries still have a lot of industries around um wartime stevenage actually produced a lot of weapons um as well um but also the one thing that I think is really, really cool about Stevenage is the Mars rover was actually developed and tested in Stevenage. And we still have Airbus as a a large local employer as well, uh, which I think is a fact (laughs) that not a lot of people know. I I had no idea. That's great. That's a good little trivia fact right there. Yeah. And I guess the final thing to say about Stevenage, which is very relevant, I think, to you know, why you've invited me on is it is a very urban place, but it has a lot of park and green spaces so we have you know multiple parks and actually the town was developed and designed with you know Stevenage being a public space um, network as well so um, yeah it the park itself that we are talking about Fairlands Valley Park is actually two miles north to south and then actually the town is kind of around that so it's um, yeah that's great I think yeah it looks like a very long park right it is yeah yeah it is yeah two so, miles so north to south. who uses that park Oh, a lot of people. Obviously, I, you know, obviously I use it. Um, we get a lot of um, commuters um, using it. So, you know, people. Who is it like a cut through? Or is it? Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, so the park could actually connect three different wards or three different yeah key um key neighborhoods. Um we have on the south side of it we have a retail park where a lot obviously a lot of um local people um live, but it's also cut through as you said towards the town centre as well for people living in the north and, and, and east side of the town. We have a lot of schools around the park. So it's obviously children, families, teachers um who who use it. Uh, we have a lot of dog walkers um coming there. Always we've got the run you know, running clubs, yeah. um, the cycling hub of Stevenage is located in Fairlands Valley Park as well. Okay. Um, you know, I spoke to people, like older people who go there for their daily exercise. Um, Do you, you have know, like, go- like Tai Chi and I guess, uh, we probably do, to be fair. I don't do it, so I don't know. But we probably do. I do. I have seen, you know, groups, you know, yeah. going there for exercise in like a group, you know, group form beyond beyond running. So we probably do. I'm just not aware of it. What does it? What does the park visually look like? Is it mostly wooded, or do you have football fields? Do you have sporting facilities? Yeah. So we don't have football fields inside the park. They are like bordering it there are there are football fields but not inside the park so um yeah so it's 120 acres um for people who who might work them that way <laughs> yep. they will understand it's, you know it's really it's really big so in the master plan for stevenage the proposal was for this park to be the town's principal area of recreation so there's actually some artificially created lakes as well as green space as well so we have um the north end specifically has a sailing lake for sailing and fishing there's a trim trail uh, on the south side there's a grasshopper trail wildflower meadow they plant the millennium woods in 2000 like the the 1999 to 2000 On the north side, they planted trees and hedges. There's a fountain, there's bird feeders, there's a paddling pool, play area, there's a cafe and studio for community use. Um, So it has a lot. It has something for everyone. Yeah, this sounds like a really Um, fun park. As as they would say. Um, We we do have, I do want to emphasize though, the, the park as I said, it's like right in the middle of an urban area. So, you know, it has schools, sports fields, housing, woodlands all next to it. Mm-hmm. And there's also a main road that crosses through the park. So the the park is kind of cut into two. You've got the north side um, and the south side. Um, and there's an underpass for uh, pedestrians and cyclists to kind of past that main road um, and the south side as well is is referred to locally as the showground um, and the council actually has a premise license for events for that you know for that area and as it, well. when the showground um, is that just like uh, seasonal festivals or something or yeah it's mostly grass mostly grasslands mm-hmm. they have now also planted new um new trees there as well um the edges of it on the edges of site there's also um like i said grasslands a wildflower meadow and then obviously there's a millennium mm-hmm. there's the millennium woods um on the side there as well um i guess the final thing to say on on the park as well which may not be as i don't know if it's common in the us or not but in, when i lived in london the park's closed at dusk um but this park is 24 hour access which um you know just for some cities that's for some cities and towns that's not common but you know this park has 24-hour access to it right yeah in the u.s it's hit or miss uh some places urban urban parks are typically i don't know if they're posted at least here on the east coast i don't know if they're posted for not for no use after dark but yeah 
they're always, they're 24 seven. I mean, everything's pretty 24 seven. Um, now you're not going to have sports usually like, you know, at like one in the morning. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a really great park. That sounds like, you know, a great is, spot for yeah. the community. Uh, I, I assume, you know, does the festival area now, does that have lighting? No, no, none of it. So there's, so the only part of the park that has some lighting, there are two routes on the north side of it that go east to west that have some street lights. Um, and that, I think, was part of a safer route to school kind of network. Mm-hmm. So there's some there's some lights there, but nothing from north to south. And that's only on like two particular areas in the on, on mm-hmm. the north side of the park. Um, that's it. There is one big bright light uh, next to the sailing lake where the boats are stalled and the, 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 the light is quite high. Um, and I've been told that's for CCTV of it for mm-hmm. the lake yep. itself. Um, but, but, but that's about it. Okay. Okay. And you said it's, it's the whole park is abutted by buildings or residential schools and stuff like that. Now, now when you're in the park, you have a, you have a great picture here where you show yourself, I think it was daytime and then, at night with a flashlight down and yeah. the camera wasn't able to pick you up. Um, what are those buildings not spilling light over? Is there ambient light there? No, no, we, the, the light from the building is kind of blocked mostly by the trees kind of, okay. kind of around it. You can see the lights from say the stadium. There's a football stadium mm-hmm. all the way on the South end. Um, so on the South end, you then have a big, big road on the opposite side of the road there's a big stadium you can see the billboards lights in in the background or like you know mm-hmm. far away but that doesn't light up your you know immediate your immediate area of. right okay yeah um and i presume you're using you're using like a bike light most of the time you go through there yeah so it's interesting because um you know most most bikes, when you buy them, they have actually a light, you know, already attached mm-hmm. to them. We bought, like my partner and I, we bought lights that you can detach that we can use them as a flashlight as well. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit more expensive. They're not top range or anything. They're kind of like middle middle range. So they are definitely, I would say, brighter than most mm-hmm. standard bike lights. So yeah, that's the one that, we, that we've that we used for that picture that you're referring to. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, so this new part, well, I guess the, the additions that they put in the park, it sounds like you have a bit of recreational opportunities, but you also have, sounds like they're also trying to cater to some of the insect population there. You have some certain plantings, um, certain trees and whatnot. Are you aware of any like birds that you can commonly see in there or other mammals that like foxes or anything that typically reside in there? Oh yeah, we definitely have foxes. <laughs> I think that's the standard in, uh, uh, in the in the UK in our towns and cities we have you know we have foxes um I've heard owl owls as well oh wow that's great difficult word, wow. difficult word to pronounce I've heard them I've not seen them um we have a lot of geese um coming around that's everywhere. Have, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's everywhere I think uh you know we have common common ducks um squirrels obviously uh we got the American squirrels or the gray squirrels um here um we got some swans as well which are fairly common i think in, in uk parks um and then of course we have that grasshopper area um as well i mentioned that i mentioned earlier um it's interesting because Stevenage actually has a biodiversity strategy which is 
very unique for UK councils to have a biodiversity strategy. Uh, but Fairlands Valley Park isn't mentioned in it. So I don't actually, mm. I was trying to find more information on it, but unfortunately I don't, I don't, wow. I don't have that information other than what I've observed myself <laughs> and what I've heard from what other people. Seen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you touched on this earlier. You, there's other parks in the community. And now what do these parks look like? Because these are ones that close at night. What do they look like? What, how they're smaller oh, no, they're parks. Not close at night. Oh, they sorry, don't. Okay. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. I that's that's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they um, they're also they're also open. So it's a mix, really. A lot of it is um, you know just empty kind of green space with some you know some trees and and shrubs and some do actually have football football fields mm-hmm. um, in them. The majority actually the main lane or path that goes through it actually has lights. <laughs> Okay. You know, so the on, other on, on the main do the other yeah, ones typically have lights? Okay. Yeah, they do okay. on the main path, mm-hmm. not not you know you know lighting up the whole grass field. Right, That's right. not the case. Just the path it has some lights um, okay. to it. Unfortunately, Fairlands doesn't. Okay. At least not north and south. Right. Right. Okay. Um, do you know what kind of lighting it is? Do you know if it's shielded? Um, if it's just like a, a light that's aimed on an angle? Uh, do you have like do you? Typically, you can tell. Now I'm going to use my bias here. Um, I, oh, that's okay. I can tell a what I consider good lighting and bad lighting if I notice the light. So if I don't notice mm-hmm. the light, typically in my mind that's good lighting because I don't even know it's there. I'm not having a, a visceral reaction to the light. Um, do you know? Do you know about how those lights look? Are they? I know that they. To they me, they look glare, like standards. Uh, yeah, to me, they look like standard street lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that in in the UK generally, but but also in Hertfordshire and in, and therefore in Stevenage, because interestingly, some the cycle lanes and our roads they fall under highways. Therefore, they're county managed, not Stevenage Borough Council managed. It gets okay. really confusing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so they are your standard kind of streetlights that you would see. And I know that there is an intention for them to, um, oh, what's that called? Where they reduce the brightness of the mm-hmm. lights, you know, during the night or earlier in the morning. And there's been a kind of a push generally right. for that. Right. So I imagine that, that would happen you know, to those streetlights as well. But I can't say for certain because I haven't been in the park at 4 a.m. So... Stevenage itself, how would you classify, like, how dark is it really at night in Stevenage? Can you see about 100 stars? And I say 100 stars because 100 stars is usually where we have, we have some called a Bortle scale. And a Bortle scale goes from one, which is like, it's very, very dark, to nine, which is daytime at night. And I know, I mean, here I live in a Bortle eight. Where if I go out at night, like I, I'll be honest, I, I don't need a light. If it's cloudy, it's like a it's a full moon out there because all the lights reflecting off the clouds. Um, so what, how would you say what where does it sit in that regard? Is are you able to talk about that? Yeah, I've I've tried to pay more attention to it um, recently, and especially since starting the petition as well. I've gone, I've purposely gone to the park at different. Um, days when there's more clouds or fewer clouds as well just to see you know just to see the difference the first thing i would say on it is obviously having moved from london to stevenage you know you can definitely see more stars than you can um <laughs> in london. it was the first day when we moved to our house and i was for the first time in our garden 
at night and I looked up and I was like, ooh, I can actually see stars. <laughs> wow. Um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that I can see a hundred. Um, potentially on a clear, you know, on a, on a clear night, you could definitely get above 50, I mm-hmm. would, I would say. Um, but, um, I can also recognize what you said when it's cloudy. It looks like there's a kind of almost like a full moon because yeah. when it's cloudy at night, it just looks like white. Yep. All the light, all the light <laughs> is reflecting. Yeah. Especially in the park, because you, what I imagine you get is a lot of reflection from, I mean, in addition to light pollution, we have a lot of noise pollution as well because of the, mm. the, the, the cars that pass through the park because of Six Hills Ways, <laughs> that's the, the road that cuts through it. But also on the west side of the park, um, we have Fairlands Way and there's a lot of cars there as well. Okay. So we have obviously a lot of reflection from the car lights as right. well as the street lights from those streets. And of course, we have the retail park on the south end and of course, the, the re- the general residential area. So we do have a lot of, you know, light pollution obviously going up that isn't necessarily from the park, obviously. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially car headlights these days. Car headlights are so bright. And uh yeah. you know, like <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to drive sometimes because you get just oh, yeah. blasted. Yeah. I've noticed that as well on the sides, like on when I use cycle lanes and obviously it's segregated, but that doesn't mean that there's like a physical barrier between the cycle lanes and you know the, the general road and when there's cars coming towards you and you're going the other way on your bike Ooh, you get blinded yes by, you yep. know the car is actually coming towards you so yeah no I've, we've uh, you know we've definitely noticed that but yeah so i would say obviously the lights or or in terms of you know that that kind of dark skies feeling it's definitely better than in london but it, i wouldn't it's not as it's not as great as i've seen it in north devon for example when i was on mm-hmm. holiday there so right. it's, yeah we, we definitely don't have well, I would say dark skies and see. Okay. Yeah. We might have the same skies. We, we might. It sounds like we yeah. might actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can definitely agree. I, I've been there where you have oncoming cars and you're trying to just, it takes a recovery time. It takes seconds. Okay. It, it takes quite a while. And I, yeah. I know we're going to get into this because we're going to talk about the actual lighting of the park. Um, yeah. One of the things that you're concerned about is, you know, people tripping or, or hitting something. I don't, I don't know how your, say your paved park roads or paved park trails are over there, over here. Uh, just be given the geography, given the, the location we're at, you know, we have, we have weather that will freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw. And the actual path may not be whole per se. So, yeah. you know, that, that's a concern, right? Like you don't want to have your tire dip into that and then you go, flying off into a tree. Uh, <laughs> so, so why, why don't you explain to me what's needed? What, why do we need the lights in this park? Yeah. So I think my best way of explaining it is, um, how I, uh, you know, kind of first explained the situation to the council before my, I, before I even started the petition, I actually asked the council a question during the council meeting. Um, and after that, I actually had a meeting like a walkabout of the park together with the council a councillor and a council officer as well. So I think the best way is to explain it as I explained it to them. So when most bicycle lights, for example, they're in one position, I can adjust mine as, I, as I've explained. So if I shine forward, I can see my surroundings up to a metre. But if And if I shine downwards, I can actually see the roads with its bumps. So we have similar situation to you uh, in terms of the quality of the surface isn't great. And that's 
you know, being being polite about it. Um, but even though I know the lanes really well, so you could say, oh, you know what, I know the lanes well, so I don't need to shine down. I can just shine forward so I can just, you know, see my surroundings. Actually, I still get caught out. I still get caught out, you know, by surprise by the turns. And I often miss <laughs> turns, actually, mm. but also by the bumps in it in it as well. So the lanes aren't in, or the paths aren't in such a state that you can actually cycle them without without them being lit they're not flat they're not as well maintained also Stevenage is hilly um the, as i i think you know i just mentioned the name of the road that crosses through fairlands valley park it's called six hills way it probably gives you an impression of what Stevenage is like it's not flat like <laughs> philly as you as you just said actually it has inclinations it has turns which makes it even more tricky and especially in autumn and winter which is are really the months that we're talking about here there's leaves on the path um you know you there's no clear edge you know for the path or where the grass starts it just gets slippery and it's not only when you're on your bike it's also when you're walking mm -hmm. as well right. um or when or if you're in a wheelchair it just it's 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 not easy to see the edges of the path or to see your surroundings and i've had very often that i'm either walking or cycling someone is coming towards me i had not noticed it until i'm literally passing them mm -hmm. because you can't see each other right right yeah and especially if you have oncoming bikers too Again, you have that glare issue. And um, what kind of, I guess, what is the perfect situation? What are you looking for at the most basic level from Stevenage? What what would you like to see in the park? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's very difficult for me to give you like any you know, technical details of what kind of lighting we would like to see. The, the, the petition ask was very was clear in the sense that we asked for you know eco-friendly wildlife conscious lighting along the park's main pathways and access points that are not lit yet specifically i want to pause you on that right there because i think that is sure. is phenomenal that you're considering eco-friendly wildlife friendly lighting that idea of like an eco approach and considering the environment saying environment first and then this is this is what we need to facilitate a safe passage in my mind, I, I love that. And I, that that's, that's such a, a great approach to this. But continue along. I didn't mean to fully cut you no, off. No, that's okay. I mean, thank you for, you know, thank you for recognizing that. But yeah, that's that's been our starting point all along. And it's been from the moment I first asked my question to the council back in October uh, 2023, and I made it very specific saying, you know, if, knowing that there's wildlife-friendly, conscious options <laughs> available, what will the council do? And obviously then I realized I need to show that there's a, a wider community need. And that's why I started a petition to kind of demonstrate that. So yeah, we asked for the, for that specific type of lighting along the main pathways and access points. Now, I'm not a lighting expert um, at all. And I'm also not a wildlife expert. So really what I'm asking the council now is to consider all options and make a, you know a business case and an assessment that balances that community need with the need to reduce light pollution and protect wildlife and really get that professional advice from the start on things like what I've now learned about you know soft or blue light or how bright things should be about I think your latest your latest podcast talks about uh 2500 kelvin I believe if I remember correctly. yeah usually usually the the ask is 2200 and, 2200. and then 2,700 is kind of like, okay, if we have to, <laughs> 3,000 yes, is, yeah, yeah. is a little higher, you know, but, but yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yep. So, so specifically getting advice on those particular points mm -hmm. is really what I'm asking the council because I can't be expected to know, you know, all of this. I'm 
a resident, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but also things like uh, well, you'll, you know, you'll be shocked. They they probably don't know any of it. So <laughs> that's the, that's the ask is to get those experts involved yeah. from the start. You know how how long they should go on, whether there should be motion sensors involved everything, you know, all the different options. And then what I'm working on now with the council is um, then looking into, okay, informing and testing, you know, pulling together a group of consultees. So it will be people who supported the petition because the petition was supported by community organizations. So um, Cycling UK Stevenage, the local branch, mm-hmm. uh, supported the petition. We got two local running clubs who supported the petition. We have um, local businesses who support it as well because of or because of their workers. We'd love to get schools involved as well, you know, families um, and and young people to get involved. But also, there are some statutory consultees that the council needs to look at. So they need to involve the wildlife trust from the start. They need to, to involve the police from you know from a community safety point of view as well. They need to consult those. And then the other thing that we're asking is look into research that has been done around how kind of lighting affects um, accessibility for cycling specifically but also for parks and green spaces and one of the things that I've that I've found is there has been research into cycling participation and that has shown that a minimal amount of lighting can actually significantly increase an uptake of cycling and there's actually a point where Mm -hmm. if you do any more lighting the you know the, the the impact on participation is like negligible so why would we that's, uh, and that's the kind of considerations that i want the council to look at jen that's great to hear i i've always thought that so i i never actually looked it up um but i've always thought that just going around because here we have um we have major thoroughfares that have four thousand kelvin lighting and they're very bright and the brightness level it lulls you into a daytime malaise and I don't know if that makes sense to you as a biker, but like in the daytime malaise, you're kind of going through and you're kind of like, <clears throat> you're not like, you're not really actively paying attention as much as you would if it was, if it was dusk, right? Where you're forced to pay much more attention. And if you keep the light level low, then you have more visibility and you can also still use your, your bike light for the purpose it serves. And then when that other light comes at you, it's not going to blind you as much. And in addition, uh, you are able to gain more domain awareness because your eye, right? Your eye is better adapted at that point than when you go from a bright 4,000, which is essentially almost as close to a white light. Um, when you go from a bright one like that into immediate area where there's no lights and then you have time, it's, there's a time delay, right? For your eye to yeah. catch up. And yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, so I guess one of the questions I have on that would it be okay? Would you be open if they came back and said, Hey, you know what? We like this. We'll put on lights, but we're going to shut them off at 9 PM. Is that acceptable? I find that really difficult to say now, to be honest, because on the one end, you know, you can say, you know, yes, of course. Um, because you know, it will protect, it will protect wildlife and it will reduce that, um, you know, light pollution level. But I think, there needs to be a really strong rationale for that. And it needs to be, um, I wouldn't say yes or no at this point, to be honest with you, because I know that there are commuters that have to use the park around midnight to get home. So what about, you know, what about them? And we really do need to consider those people as well. And so what I would ask the council to do and as part of their assessment is look at, well, actually look at this also from a climate change perspective perspective because we want people to adopt lower carbon lifestyles is what 
what they mm-hmm. call it, what they call it here. <laughs> right. um, so that means actually, you know, using more active travel, like walking, cycling, wheeling, or using public transport as well. So actually, if we reduce the our you know dependency on cars that have that much light pollution as well, and you know our dependency on those other main roads where we can then reduce lighting, um, actually. Will that not be a greater benefit than keeping those lights on that are very well thought through for the park for longer? You know, what what are the impacts would, there? Would you be fine with any, any cutoff time? If there's a business, you know, if there's a, if there's a case for it, if we get a very clear, you know, recommendation back to say, actually, you, sh- you know, from a wildlife perspective, you shouldn't keep it on after this after this hour and if that is in you know if that is in balance with what the potential impacts could be on the uptake of active travel if that has been fully considered then i will accept that recommendation but i would always push for you know has this been a wider assessment of what a potential uptake could look like of our paths through the park because it's such an important route mm-hmm. um, through our town what about uh, motion sensor lights? I, I've seen them used, um, you know, successfully. So that could be that could be part of the solution. And I know that that's what the you know I don't, I mean, not that in particular. But what I know the council is looking at at the moment is what types of lighting generally is available, mm-hmm. and then through that you know through that consultation work that we will then do is look at so what could work for all the different types of users, and then look at you know. It might be a combination of, you know, motion sensors and solar lighting or would, or something else. Would you feel I comfortable? Don't know what the perfect solution is. <laughs> would you feel comfortable with the motion sensors? Um, yeah, I would be. I mean, as I said, if if it's part of that considered approach and that considered assessment, then if that is the if that is the conclusion, then that is the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um and I I'm you know, I'm very conscious that even though I personally started this um, started this request to the council. I don't want it to be about what I want. You know, I don't want the solution right. to be a reflection of this is Jen's perfect solution for the park. <laughs> I don't. I absolutely. I would be the worst. <laughs> that would be the worst outcome because I now have thirteen hundred people who signed this petition. We received a thousand signatures in two weeks mm-hmm. to the council to say, go and consider this, mm-hmm. and so the worst outcome would be to be a solution that I'm really, really happy with because it works for my specific circumstances. And then it doesn't work for the families who bring their children to dance classes that take place in the studio next to the cafe, for example. Mm -hmm. That would be terrible. And then they will continue to use their car because they don't feel safe to use the park. No, I I wouldn't be happy with that. I hope that makes sense. No, that's fine. Yeah. Um, are you looking specifically at lights that are going to be aimed at the bike path or do you want it aimed off trail or? Definitely on the, like it, it would be for the main paths. So for example, but I mentioned earlier that there is, mm-hmm. um, you know, a grasshopper area. I'm not, I'm not suggesting we light <laughs> up that area. Absolutely not. No, no, no. So what, what the petition very clearly said and stated, because we had to be very specific in our request mm-hmm. is along the main paths, so I'm not saying go and light up the play area, you know, at night. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying ask, um, you know, light or not light up, but you know, provide lighting for the main paths. That's that's the request. 
And you're fine with any kind of, with a lower color, with an amber color. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be. I actually don't really like billboards, so you know, I don't, <laughs> I'm not asking for floodlights or billboards. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've and I've also read about what you just mentioned about um, you know it pointing downwards mm-hmm. as well, and how important that is, and especially knowing that we have owls, for example, you know, right. making sure that the the light is pointed downwards. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and that's like, again, that's why I said it's so important to do it from the start with all those different considerations, so that you know when the council's engineer comes back and says, "Oh, great, we can have this floodlight and it will be high <laughs> and it will light up the whole area," we can then say, "No, I'm not saying he would." You know, I'm not saying he would do that, but right. you know, to to have all these considerations right out in the open from the start will make us hopefully, will hopefully help us prevent making the wrong decisions. Okay. Yeah. That's the, the lighting on the path can be done very easily with LEDs now because LEDs can be, can be aimed and targeted. And some places have done a phenomenal job just lighting up the path. Yeah. And like you said, you don't, any light really for wilderness, for, for nature, uh, any light is a pollutant at night. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you know, um, yeah. any, right. Yeah. Uh, so Taking that in consideration, especially owls, I mean, it's always great to, it's one of the most fun things to hear is like a screech owl here where it has like a whinny and, and, uh, when you're outside and it just adds character to the night. Um, so that, that's, that's great to hear. It's great to hear that you're, you're really trying to interrogate the idea and trying to find the, uh, a very equitable solution. And I, I, I commend you on that. Um, so I want to ask you about you now and, how how have you how do you engage with the night? What do you do? Like, do you go just go out to dinner, or do you go like how how do you engage? What's a typical way that you actually interact with a with night? Which sounds weird. I understand that. Yeah, no, it's it's a good you know it's a good um, it's a good question. So actually, I think again it comes back to. My original question to the council, I explained to them, um, I'm lucky enough that I can work from home most of the days. I do travel. I do have to travel for work, but the majority of the time I work from home. And that does mean after I've been inside the house, you know, having meetings online and doing, you know, desk-based work, I would like to go out after I finish my day's work. But then autumn and winter it gets dark so early. And by the time I finish at 5, 5.30, it's dark. And then I, and even though I live literally five minutes away from Fairlands Valley Park, I would not feel comfortable going there by myself to go for a run after work, even though mm-hmm. in summer, spring, that's what I would do. Right. Um, so we, like my partner and I, we actually cycle a lot. Um, we don't just cycle to go to and from work. So when I have to take the train, obviously I cycle to the train station. Um, we actually use our bike for everyday kind of everyday, everyday kind of journeys. We go to supermarket, we, you know, we've got pannier bags on my bike as well. So you'll often see me, you know, with groceries coming back and everything. So I would say I feel very comfortable going outside in the evenings, um, and I do that on a very, you know, on a very regular, very regular basis. Sure. I have days where I don't want to go out and just, you know, crawl up on the sofa with a blanket and a cup of tea. And a <laughs> yeah, of course. Obviously I have those yeah. days have, as well. Have days and nights I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Surely, I, you know, sure. I do have those, but it's about, you know, it's, 
yeah, there's a, there's a distinct difference to the how I perceive my activities in autumn and winter versus spring and summer. And I know that I'm not the only one um, in that experience. Okay. So, so I want to just quickly touch on the, you don't feel comfortable in a dark environment. And what do you think drives that? What do you think the source, the real, true, honest source is this driving at? I'm very curious. This is a very yeah, curious no, question. Yeah. On my end. I've always wondered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm yeah. not like that. Right? I, I love, I love the dark. I love being, I love night. I love being out there. It's so different and so much, so much animal activity. Like, it's very different. It's a very different experience. So I'm very curious. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, as again, how I explained it to the council, I said it very much from my perspective as a woman. As a woman, I do not feel safe being by myself out in the dark, especially in a park. And I know that a lot of women and young and young girls have that experience as well. So, um, for example, Fairlands Valley Park, um, they are a recognized Green Flag Awards winner, which is like a national scheme in the UK um, for well-managed for well-managed parks. Um they have guidance, they have research available, and that shows that actually sexual harassment in public spaces actually affects 71% of women in the UK. And that re- rises to 86% for women between 18 and 24 years old. That's not to say that, you know, everyone has had that specific experience, but you will know someone potentially who has, you will know that this happens, and therefore you just do not want to take the risk. You just, you know, there's, there's this um, Sport England in, 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 in England explains this very well. They have a, a campaign, it's called This Girl Can. And they, last winter, they launched this new campaign about lift the curfew. It's like women and girls, they put this own curfew uh, potentially on, on themselves because they don't feel safe because of their experience within modern day society. Why do you feel safer during the day than at night with that? Is there more harassment that goes on at night? No, I, no. The statistics don't show that there's more harassment at night than during the day. It's actually, the, it's actually the other way around. Um, but actually, when you look at um, you know some of the guidance in terms of how you can make green spaces and um, parks in particular more accessible, um, actually, it does say having more people there will increase that perception of of safety. And, um, you know, having people around you and not being the only one will actually help people feel safer, including women and women and girls. Okay. So there's a feeling of safety because during the daytime, which I feel like is much more unsafe than night, um, especially my experiences during daytime, seeing a lot of stuff, being victim of of at least one thing. um, Is it, is it something, is it rational to be very comfortable during daytime and not comfortable at nighttime? I guess I'm just trying to drill down on what the source, what the source drivers, where is that? Why is it way more acceptable to be afraid at night than during a daytime? I wouldn't say it's more acceptable, you know, in that sense, you know, I, what I would say is what, 
you know, the fact remains is that women and girls, but also men and boys, you know, because I've had, you know, men and and uh, young and, and younger men, uh, not boys, because you had to be 16 to sign a petition. But, um, you know, to, you know, I've, I've had them support the petition as well. But, you know, the fact remains, we know that women and young girls, what we were talking about, feel unsafe in these environments. And whether that is a rational fear or not based on, you know, crime statistics really, to in my opinion, doesn't really matter in this in this um, mm-hmm. you know in this position because we have very clearly identified a need and a concern that society needs to address because I don't I don't think it is acceptable that women and girls feel that way and therefore the least we can do is you know accommodate this this concern and to mitigate it to the best we can. Now, I'm not saying that lighting will fix all of that. It's not a, it's not a magical solution. There are, you know, stubborn inequalities, I think, generally in society that will need to be addressed. But lighting goes a long way to actually providing that space for women and girls to be more active. Um, And that will obviously you know, also encourage other people to use the park. And in this particular instance, that will help with accessibility and inclusive accessibility and inclusivity of the park as well. Um, so yeah, it's not fair that things that, you know, that these things happen to women and girls and fear is their nat- natural response. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that clarifies um, mm-hmm. a little okay. bit. Okay. I've got one last question here. Uh, so Night is pretty much the endangered half of the day. Uh, we're doing everything we can to get rid of it. And, you know, I often joke with people like we can, we can go inside, close the shade, go to bed and light up everything around us like maximum security prison. Uh, but animals, insects, anything in the environment cannot. They have to live. Plants, even plants are, are, yeah. are affected by it. They have to live in these environments. So going forward, what do you think we can do? to limit our impact on night ecosystems while at the same time providing that feeling of safety. Right. So I think there's two things here. Um, the, f- the first of all is education. And that's what I'm really trying to do, you know, with the petition when we're looking, when we're looking at uh, what kind of lighting options would be suitable for Fairlands Valley Park is really taking into the advice from experts, also looking at developments in technologies as well, and really optimally using that um, and being very open and honest about that with the public as well. Like, you know, oh, your request was for lighting. You might expect is really bright, cool, cool as in the, the color cool, not awesome cool yeah, I got you. Um, you know you know cool lights in the you know, in the park but actually we have installed these lights because of xyz reasons because these were all of our all of our considerations so i think that's really important when uh, you know we use this as an opportunity to educate you know everyone involved in, and including people who weren't involved with the petition as this is why we've done it and this is also what you can do at home, for example, when you want to reduce light pollution and when you want to make environments more eco-friendly, really. And I think the second part is to really listen to the people who currently feel excluded and to realise that and respect that people have different experiences. And those experiences are valid. And even if, you know, if, if fear is a response, 
then that is not something it's not as easy to say like well grow a thicker skin for example you know that's that's not a respectable way a respectful way to um respond to these concerns and actually it is talking about well understanding why is that fear there and how can we mitigate some of that fear and lighting will help mitigate some of that fear in this instance um and then the third thing I would add, sorry, I know I only said two things, but the third thing I would say, I would say is, you know, in your description, you said, you said like, oh, you know, we can lock ourselves inside. I don't think that's the solution. I want people to be able to go outside and enjoy it because the biggest threat at the moment is climate change. And for us, for everyone to take action is to have that appreciation for our natural world. And we can only do that when we actually go outside and enjoy it um so that's really what i would say to people as well okay well great well my guest today has been jennifer horkin horkin i get it right this time how can there we go (laughs) thank you so much for coming on today uh really appreciate it and i will have your petition link up in our show notes if anyone wants to check out the uh, petition itself and jennifer have a great rest of your day thank you thank you very much for having me